0: To the Survivor historians, your favorite recap of uh, old historical Survivor seasons. As always, I'm Mario Lanza. I'm Jay Fisher.
1: And I'm Mike Bloom.
0: And today we have a kind of a special one-off. This is uh, something we weren't really planning. We didn't uh, we didn't publicize this, but we kind of have a special uh, podcast here. We have a chance to uh, we you know we just recorded our podcast about Survivor Vanuatu, and a situation came up where we had a chance to talk to Chris Doherty about historians and about Vanuatu. So uh, we want to welcome kind of the first time we've ever had a survivor on the show. Welcome, Chris, to Survivor Historians. Hello. Hey, man. It's good to be here. <laughs> now, I know you're not a big uh, Internet guy, Chris, so it's there's a large likelihood you haven't listened to our show before. But we just kind of what we do on the show, we just talk about the history of the show and put all the seasons in their historical context, how they re- re- were uh, received at the time. And basically, we just want to start this by asking you, How would you rank Vanuatu kind of in Survivor history? I know, I mean, were were you a big fan before you were on the show? Did you watch all the seasons? Like, what was it like being the first season right after All-Stars?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan, sure. Um, I'd watched every season clear up to mine. Um, uh, Well, you know, it was emphasized before our game even started, the fact that All-Stars was uh, before us, that it was a very successful season, and, and Mark Burnett was looking to turn up the heat. You know mm-hmm. that's what he was telling us. You know, and he was he was just letting us know he was going to you know he was going to make it rough on us. We had to earn our flint, we had to earn fire, we had to we had to earn water. He he wasn't going to give us anything, and uh, it was just him trying to you know build up you know to try to top all stars. But that was the emphasis before we went into the island and started playing. They, they talked a lot a lot about the season before. So I think if I had to rank Vanuatu. <laughs> I kind of got to break down all the seasons into, you know, maybe the first 10 or 11 and then it breaks off and then, then you go to where they're getting couches and hammers and you know they <laughs> can build two-story buildings. And Home Depot donates bathroom. I mean, you know what, that's just different survivor. But if, if you rank up there in the top 10, 11 survivors, i put Vanna Watch in the top three. Okay. Now
0: it's interesting. Something you just mentioned that, all-Stars was seen as a big success and you were trying to top it or at least match it. Was that really the con- the perception at the time that the producers were very pleased with how All-Stars had come off leading into your season?
2: Absolutely. It was uh, It was more, well, yeah, it was the perception. It was a fact. That's what they yeah. talked about. That's what they were emphasizing to us, you know. And, uh, you know, whether or not our season had a format before the game started, you know, I know that, you know, they they picked the, you know, 20 different characters, eight to 18 different characters, it's, you know, it's amazing how they can group, you know, the different characters together. But, you know, coming into the game, we wasn't told it was going to be a gender war or nothing like that. And from what we was told and I was told by Jeff, um, they didn't plan on it being a gender war. It was when they broke us up, the people of the land broke us up into women and men. That's that's how we become, you know, men, men versus women our season. It wasn't even planned by production. It was that chief separated us and they're like, okay, let's roll with it. We're going to have our second season of Men vs. Women. That's how they rolled. Wow, that's yeah, that's interesting. I'd never actually heard that before. Um, oh, I was there, and uh, it's true. You know, it, it happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it rolled. It was, you know, we didn't you know. Everybody's new. I couldn't imagine going back and playing again because part of the the most awesome aspect of it is just the surprise, the element of surprise. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, that was one of the most awesome things about your my only experience. Also, it's funny,
0: one one other thing you just mentioned is that Mark Burnett kind of came out there and told you all that stuff. Now, I've heard a rumor that Vanuatu was the first season that Mark Burnett really wasn't as invested in or uh, involved in as, as he was with the earlier season. Is that true or is that false? Um,
2: Mark Burnett, my season was uh, had a lot of involvement in the interview process, at least from my standpoint and the process I had to get on the show. And then uh, he was there throughout the first week of which you're just there, not doing nothing. You're on location, I guess. You know, it was five. We were there five days before the game started. So, yeah, he was there. He was a constant. He was talking to us. Um, Yeah. And then our season, he was there at that very first challenge. And then you kind of seen him off and on. You know, you'd see him at a challenge. And then you didn't see him for a while because his kids and him were probably out somewhere deep-sea diving and, you know, whatever they do. And then, boom, he showed up at the last challenge. He was at the last tribal council. Um, He was on the same flight I was going home. So, yeah, he was big-time involved in my season. Now, I've talked to survivors of late. It's never many. Never seen Hmm, Interesting. Yeah. So uh,
1: having him on the scene, was it was it sort of like an example of when the, the big boss comes into the office once in a while? Was everyone kind of a little more uptight when he came in for that challenge? Or was it more like everyone was a little more informal, you know, waving hi to him, shaking hands, all that stuff?
2: Um, I mean, there's no, you know, shaking hands. He's, you know, he's off doing his own thing. He's in the distance. He's, you know, he's he wasn't right there in our face talking to us. At the beginning of the game, before the game started, yeah, he was right there. But, you know, I didn't speak again to him. I spoke to him before the game started. The day the game started, I spoke to him. And I probably didn't. I know I didn't speak to him again So we was at the airport, and the game was over. And it was early in the morning. We were in Vanuatu, and tension was high with everybody because, you know, final tribal council. Everybody hates each other. And, yeah, he spoke to me briefly at the airport, asked me, you know, what would you think of my game, and, you know. That was it. I don't think I talked to him again until we were in the green room before the finale, and uh, he introduced me to his kids. So speaking, of Chris, um, you said earlier that you know, they, they weren't
3: necessarily planning on having it men versus women until uh, the opening ceremony when they kind of split you guys up. In those, yeah. days, in those days leading up to the show when you were flying out there and whatnot, were you hanging? Were you sequestered with just the men? Who did you see before the game started?
2: Um, what happened is I flew out of Columbus here in Ohio and I went out to LA and, um, a rep from CBS production, whomever, Mark Burnett productions. I don't know. Um, there, there was a a guy waiting on me at the airport and, and yeah, I seen Eliza. Um, I seen John Kent. I seen a number of people from my season. I seen Leanne. I seen Julie. Um, Julie was on my flight. Um, um, a lot, several of the guys was on my flight. Um, but there was no talking um i had a, I had a i had an alias um i, I think my alias i you know I kind of forget what it was it, it was really similar to the one of Saddam Hussein's sons' names, but my alias is that's what they called me, you know, and they never called me Chris, and you know, I wasn't allowed to talk to nobody. There was someone with me at all time at the airport, and of course they're you know they're getting you through customs and getting you through all that and um yeah, it's just it was just a long, boring quiet. Flight. I was sitting on the plane by people I didn't know. Um, yeah, we landed in Vanuatu, and you're seeing the people you're playing with. There's no talking. There's so many people per, from production just mingling within you that you're not even getting real close to these people you're playing with. I mean, they're just keeping everyone separated. And, and if you're close together, something's happening where everyone has to pay attention. And yeah, they kind of rush you through, especially when you land on location. They threw us in the vans, the windows were blacked out, three, four production people, three, four survivors per van, you know, a couple hour drive, and then boom, they throw you in a hut.
0: I mean, it was now, rushed.
2: It was really rushed.
0: One thing that you have mentioned to me before, and we talked about it in our historians uh, the last episode, was how, how you mentioned before that the, the split between the younger men and the older men on Lopevi was already there before you even set foot on the beach. Can you kind of talk about that a little
2: um, well, the the um, the alliance came as soon as we set foot on the beach. My season, we sat there and they did this ritual and they slaughtered this pig and and then you know, boom, John Kenny climbed the pole or not John Kenny, Brady climbed the pole and got the idol and it started raining and I mean it was really weird when they they would deal with that idol. It was like it would rain instantly I and mean, you know it's, it was kind of spooky at first, but. Now, every time somebody touched the idol or the idol hit the ground, it start raining. But, you know, that guy, that that chief was just like, okay, guys, you know, Jeff told us, you go that way. And, girls, you go that way. And uh, Jeff told us after the game. It was then and there. It was decided that we was just going to leave you as you were, and you were going to be the two tribes, men versus women. And as soon as we headed down the beach... The beach was had a lot of coral on it, a lot of dead coral where we started walking, and they had us right at the edge. There was really not much of a beach. So we was climbing on rocks and I ended up next to Bub. Mm-hmm. And me and Bub had been in the same hut for five days, just silence, waiting for the game to start. They'd take you down to another hut and talk to you. You sure you're ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready for this. Okay, go back to your hut waited and waited and waited, heard other people whispering in the hut, which is pretty normal, hard to tell. And then, boom, we're on the beach, and I'm just like, I mean, it was on. But it was like, look, we need to stick together, and we agreed, and we was like, we'll go from here. And then it was like we got to our camp. The four young guys went out on this big piece of coral, sat down and started talking, and here sat us five older guys, the fat five. Here we sat. Average weight, 235. Average height, six foot average IQ we won't go there (laughs) yeah boom dude it was on it was like okay what's up hey me and Bubba been talking the next morning Sarge approaches me of course you know the game started in the middle of the night so I've already talked to Bubba the next morning Sarge approaches me immediately honor and all this stuff with the army and I'm like dude you're in that's great and Sarge is the one that said If we're going to have any longevity in this game, us older, out of shape guys got to stick together because them four will tear us up if we keep them in the game. And boom, that was it. You know, we went to our very first challenge. I failed miserably, and I was already safe. Now, you haven't been to Tribal. You haven't tested anybody's, you know, loyalty or game. So, yeah, I was scared, you know, to death going to Tribal. But before that challenge, we had made our alliance.
0: It's funny, you mentioned failing miserably at your first challenge. Do you think you could have climbed up that pole if they'd chosen you to get the Spirit Stone?
2: Hell no. No way. Oh, man. I was sporting 230 with a ponytail, and I had on a wife beater. I was off to a bad start from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, no, man, and that dude was hovering over me, and I'm like, you know, keep going, Jack. Don't pick me. And When he picked Brady, I knew. I thought, wow, this guy's probably got a chance at climbing it.
1: Speaking of Brady, I was actually just a random question. Uh, when did Brady tell you guys that he was an FBI agent, and did you guys have any sort of like trepidations against him? Because I feel like of all the careers you guys had out there, FBI agent probably seems like the most sketchy for a Survivor player.
2: Sure, sure, it would make you think twice. Um, I, I didn't know he was FBI until after the game. He never told me.
1: Oh, okay. So he never he didn't tell anyone throughout the game that that he well, had his career.
2: I, I, I don't know. If he told anybody else, they never shared it with me, but he never told me. No, my first conversation with Brady was after the first tribal council, and Brooke went home. We got back to camp, Brady's like, I didn't vote for you. I was like, oh, yeah, what's your name again, Brady? Right, I'm Chris. Nice to <laughs> meet you. Uh, and he was just like, well, I just wanted you to know, dude, I didn't vote for you. I voted for Rory. I was like, good to hear, man. All right, thanks. I mean, that, that was the first time I talked to Brady.
0: Now you mentioned Rory. Rory is somebody we had a lot of fun with on our podcast because we just, we just love we just love telling Rory stories and doing Rory impressions. But yeah. I know there's got to be some great Rory stories. What well, What was he like in real life? Hanging out with him all the time was he as big as a pain in the butt as you think he was? Uh,
2: Rory was Rory's funny. I find I really get Rory's humor. And um, for the game, um, my experience with Rory basically was. Because Rory and Sarge just didn't see eye to eye on anything, it seemed like Rory's number one goal in the game was to irritate Sarge. And it's true. Rory would disappear. He would. He would disappear. Rory would disappear with the machete, and you wouldn't see him for three or four hours. And that Sarge's blood would boil. I mean, he wanted to get rid of Rory. He came to me, we got to get rid of Rory. I'm like, no, we're not getting rid of Rory. But. Rory was funny, you know. He was fun to talk to. Um, I felt responsible for Rory going home. Um, the reason why is because I, I was counting on Julie and Twyla. And I did. I told, I told Rory, you're safe. You're not going home. And he did. And, you know, I, I know Rory has mixed feelings about me. And um, they've changed from year to year. You, Rory used to support the fact I won. But lately I've heard that he doesn't. So. It really doesn't matter. But I like Rory, and he was fun to play with. Um, he was more comical watching him than being with him. Yeah.
0: I've heard that about a lot of the characters over the years. The people that you enjoy watching on TV were not fun to hang out with in real life. <laughs> That's what I've heard, so it doesn't surprise me.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Rory, I got to play the game with him for a while, and we enjoyed, you know... <laughs> We enjoyed I enjoyed watching Rory during the game, and it was only because of him and Sarge. They just, they were a mess. They were at each other's throats every day. Now, was he the
0: only one that, that uh, Rory didn't get along with? Like, you got along with Rory fine, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I
2: got along with Rory just fine. Yes, because at the very beginning, it was me and Baba talked, and then um, who else ended up talking on the beach within our alliance? was Chad and Rory. Chad and Rory had already talked and decided, hey, they were going to watch each other's back. So, you know, Sarge approaching me the next morning, you know, and just saying, hey, look, you know, we all need to stick together and, and beat these young guys. You know, Sarge just confirmed that all five of us was together. And, and you know, yeah. But Rory was a part of it from the get-go with Chad. So Rory had him an alliance with somebody to the end. He had set himself up, like, me and Bubba was going to do the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, it's interesting, one of the things that I'm always curious when I talk to people who played Survivor is, when you're watching it, who do you think the big character is going to be when this thing shows up on TV? Like, like when you're playing the game, and you, are you thinking along, like, oh, the, the, America's going to love this guy or this person? Like, I'm just curious, who did you think would be the big star of the season, the best character when you were playing?
2: Never, I, I never thought about it.
0: No, I never thought about it? No, I never thought about it. I didn't. Okay, then I'll, I'll follow up that question with, at the time, like, Amy at the time was seen as the big breakout character of Vanuatu. Did that surprise you when you heard that she was kind of the star of the season? Amy?
2: The, the, yeah, she the, was,
0: like, on the Internet. On the internet,
2: They all talked about her at the time. Yeah, well, sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, Amy was a big player in my eyes because all along during the game, I had perceived Amy as making all the decisions within the Women's Alliance. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I feared Amy. And I knew to fear Amy because I had an inside scoop because Julie had told me. Julie's like, hey, look, you know, I I betrayed you. And, you know, I know you're disappointed in me, but I'm going to campaign for you to be the last guy here. And this is how you can do that. You just need to make sure you never negotiate with Amy. Because if you try to negotiate with Amy, then you're negotiating against the women and Amy's going to slice your throat. She's going to send you home. So it was my impression that, okay, don't F with Amy. Amy's the big dog on the porch. I'm not going there. Julie told me not to do it. So, But by the time the game was over and I sat back and watched it on TV, well, Amy really wasn't making the decisions. Leanne was. Yeah. And that shocked me because all Leanne did was sleep. I'm telling you. I'm telling all three of you <laughs> right now. Leanne slept. Morning, noon, night, Leanne slept. She'd wake up, uh-huh. eat, go lay down in the hut. Wake up, go to a challenge, go lay down in the hut. Get up, have some supper, go lay down in the hut. Yeah, that's all. Leanne slept the whole time she was there. She probably slept more than anyone in survivor history. But she was still the one making the decision. Apparently when she was awake, she was like, okay, you know what? We're keeping Chris. Eliza's going home. Or, you know, I don't feel good sending this person home. They're like, yeah. She was making all yeah. the decisions. Sure.
0: Yeah. I would like, if you could talk about kind of the dynamic between Amy and Leanne, because I, I find them fascinating. Like, I think if, if, for some reason Survivor had if Vanuatu had worked out a little differently and you hadn't won, obviously. I mean think we're thinking Lee Amy and Leanne are kinda run it to the end. Like what was their dynamic like? Would they have been like the J T and Steven of Survivor, the first female J T and Steven if they had made it to the end? What were they like when they worked together?
2: Um, I, I, yeah, I do. I think they would have been because you think about it. They they were working together. They were making decisions together. I mean, it was they were collectively coming up with a decision. But you know, if Leanne didn't feel good about someone, Amy would accommodate Leanne, which isn't surprising. Huh. Amy, you know, Amy is a lesbian. Amy goes both ways. Amy likes women. Amy likes men. During our season, Amy liked women. She didn't like men. Last time I talked to her, she was in the men. So that's just Amy. Didn't know her that well back then, know her that well now. But knowing Amy, Amy was just accommodating Leanne. If Leanne felt iffy about something, Amy accommodated with her. Okay, well, we'll do what you think's best. But on the side, you heard Amy, you know, and Amy's not stupid. Amy's very smart. Amy's telling them in her interviews, you know, well, you know, if Chris goes on the street and wins some challenges, you know, it's not going to be good. I mean, Amy knew. You know, she was very smart and calculated with how she played the game. Because when I won that immunity challenge with the shuffleboard and Amy, with Amy's head was in the ringer, that day she never left my side. And Amy had never hung out with me, rarely. I mean, at camp, yeah, we talked, laughed, stuff like that. But challenges, all business. When I'm not around and she's strategizing, she would say, I would hear her say it. Well, I'm not worried about Chris in this challenge. I can beat him. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm right here. Yeah, I'm right here. And it's been 25 days, bitch. I've lost 30 pounds, you know. I'm I'm, I'm a lot better now. But, yeah, Amy was confident, dude. Was, that was her dynamic. And then Leanne was kind of that hidden person in the shadow that, that she was the surprise. She was the one that I was like, wow, really? Leanne made that decision? You know, I, I figured she slept through that meeting. But, you know, but no, absolutely, they could have easily went to the end, because they had Julie, which Julie was just happy to be back with the women. They had Eliza, who didn't have one single ally in the game except for me, just because I needed her and I wanted to use her. Well, like everyone else in the game, used Eliza. I was just the one that used her and dispensed her altogether. But... You know, they had her, which she wasn't a threat to them, and then they had Twilight Scout. They were a mess. They didn't know what to do. If they jumped with me, they were final three. If they stayed with them, they were final five. So, yeah, absolutely. They were in a position of, if I was gone, it, it, it would have probably been Amy and Leanne. Okay, now, if those
0: two get the end, who do you think wins between I was just going to ask
3: that same question.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
2: Well, I'm on the jury. I'm voting for Leanne. Now, why is that? See, Amy was just such a big threat throughout the game, and Chad just despised her. I mean, Chad had nothing good to say about Amy the whole 39 days of the game went on. I mean, Chad just, Amy was just very confident and walked around with her shoulders squared and her, you know, she was. she just had this air about her. It was cocky. I mean, and when the women had the numbers and Rory went home, oh, getting back to camp, dude, it it was unbelievable. I mean, it was like I curled up in the fetal position, dude. I've been whooped. I was like, man, them bitches got me. I ain't saying a word. And Chad and Sarge went off. And I'm just like, Wow, I mean, we're we're done. We're cooked. I mean, we're in the kitchen and they're baking and we're getting shoved in the oven. We're done. You know, I mean, I was ready to surrender and Amy, Amy was very, very outspoken and, you know, let let us know, you know, you guys are done. So, yeah, she was a player.
0: Now, you said you would have voted for Leanne. Do you think Leanne
2: Leanne would have won the majority over Amy? Uh, Well, let's see. Let me break it down. Chad would have voted for Leanne, obviously. Um, Sarge, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, let's see. You got Julie and Eliza left, and then you know you'd have had Scout and Twila on the jury as well. Um, I would have voted for Leanne. Um, you know what? I, I, it's a good chance that that Twila would have voted for Leanne. I don't know. Yeah, Scout. It's hard to. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, I don't yeah. know. What you're, and you have to think. What you are saying really is
3: probably near like a four or three vote. It's really close. Then either way.
2: Yeah, I think it would be a close vote between Amy and Leanne. Sure.
0: And, of course, we don't know what would have happened to put all those other girls on the jury. I mean, Leanne or Amy would have had to lie to somebody, so who knows what the dynamic would have been to get to that point.
2: Absolutely. And, plus, they would have had the got by Julie and Eliza in challenges, and Eliza was very, very strong in challenges, you know. Okay, well— one, one thing that came up in
0: our, in our podcast is when we, we all watch it, we all kind of came to this, 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 this uh, feeling independently that the second half of your season really kind of breaks down to a battle of wills between Amy and Scout. Would you agree with that? Like them just, just, they just didn't like each other and it just kind of, that you winning is a is a side effect of them just going at each other and Scout just ripping down Amy's little world.
2: Would you agree with that? Oh, well, sure. I mean, it was definitely one of the many elements that led to me winning. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They were they were very very. Well, they even they, you know, had major problems by day thirty. You know, thirty seven, thirty six. You know, Twyla there, you know, Twyla was just like an infection in their wound, you know? I mean, <laughs> swearing on her son, and Amy and Twila had words. I mean, Scout and Twila come to me and Chad in the middle of the night, sleeping by the fire, the very first night of the merge, after Rory went home, and said, we don't like where we're at with the women, you know, this, this game's not over. The very first night! And that that just, boom, that's what gave me and Chad the glimmer of hope. And then that next day, we had that water challenge where you're running back and forth in the water. Well, Sarge was just a beast. I mean, he's running, climbing that pole, getting his flag, diving. I mean, he blew everyone away. And it was a blessing that he did because when we got back to camp, I mean, just right in front of everyone, Amy's like, well, as soon as Sarge doesn't have immunity, he's going home. She made that clear. Yeah. I mean, he's too strong. Right. I mean, she knew. And, uh, well, I mean, I believe, you know, that might have been the challenge before, but, yeah, so Amy was definitely a, oh, wow, and, well, crazy, wow. <laughs> well, we saw we saw a lot in the episode
0: of her and Scout kind of each other at each other's throats. I mean, we saw Twyla, too, but the Amy and Scout dynamic is the one I'm most fascinated by. Were there a lot of fights between them that we just didn't see? I mean, were they just at each
2: other's throats all the time? Um, it was the most heated after Leanne went home, and and it really opened up. I mean, we're sitting there at camp, and um, I, I think I'd already won immunity. And, and Amy, Amy was human. her game was over, and the rain, the rain was over. The, the women had fallen apart, and uh, Amy had said something. The biggest argument I saw was Amy was like, "Okay, well let's let's go ahead and cook up some manioc." you know, this root that we had, and let's get some coconut and cook it up, and we still had some seasonings and stuff, and, you know, she was ready to cook up some food and eat, and, and Scout spoke up and was like, well, look, you know, there's still, you know, five or six of us that's going to be here, and we got a ways to go, and, you know, we need to conserve the food, and oh, my Lord, it it <laughs> erupted, and so, you know, like, it was like the cat fight. I mean, they they just started going at it, and then Ever you know, all the other girls had something to say. Twata Defend Scout, and you got Julie defending Amy. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely entertaining for me. But, but yeah, they, they, was, uh, they didn't like each other. Like I told you, I mean, I talked to Burnett at the Vanuatu Airport, and you could cut the tension with a knife. We're all standing there together and nobody. I mean, there, there's a lot of bitter feelings harboring deep within a lot of people. I mean, me, I'm pretty spunky, I'm pretty happy. I'm thinking oh, I' win good, you know, but man,
0: it was ugly. people were and pretty- I'm sure doing all those cat fights, you were just laying there in the hammock
2: quietly, right um well, well, I, was, I was not so, participating. I was laying somewhere quietly, I mean, <laughs> you know there's a time you speak, and there's a time you shut up when you're around that many women, and you you figure that out and you You'll be okay. You've just got to figure it out. But you know what? You've got them. Oh, Twyla. Twyla really turned a lot of people against each other. More than you. I mean, just Twyla's interaction with everyone and the way she talked to Eliza. I mean, yeah. I'm just amazed that you focused on the, you know, um, Scout. And uh, you got me all flustered. I'm amazed how you have focused on Scout and Amy. Not getting along. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've yes. seen that. Wow. Well, it's the, we're all watching these
0: things, looking for notes. Just kind of we we try to look at the little stuff where sure. it wouldn't be obvious the first time you see a season. And I know I'm kind of basing a lot of this on things you have mentioned to me in interviews before. Like yeah. I remember a couple of years ago I talked to you and you said that Scout was the best player out there, and you were scared to death of her because she was the smartest. Like. Could you elaborate on that? Or is there what what made Scout so dangerous? Because like, you, you
2: don't see her a lot in the episodes, right? Well, Scout was just she had a a, I mean, a forked tongue. I mean, you could talk to Scout and and you would get nothing out of the conversation with her. I mean, she could dodge a yes or no answer better than anyone. I mean, anyone. I mean, and you would think she's saying yes, but not no. Really, she didn't say yes. I mean, if you make an agreement with Scout, you know, like, hey, Scout, you know, I'm in a pinch. You know, what are you and Twyla going to do? You know, what are you thinking? Could we vote for Eliza? You know, do you think anyone else is on board? Are we going to vote Chad out? Well, you know, she would just come up with an answer like, well, that that's what we're thinking about doing. Um, well, I know Twyla's on board. Well, so are we doing it? Well, I don't know what else we would do. Well, I mean, are we going to go through with this plan? Well, I talked to Twila and she's in. Right, so who are we voting for, Scout? You know what I mean? I'm getting just <laughs> talking about it. Okay, Scout, so what are we doing? Yes or no? Is is Eliza going home? Well, that, that seems to be the consensus. That Scout. I mean, she was brilliant, and she would do it at Tribal. And then at Tribal, I, I give her a little respect. She called me out. She did big time. I threw a lot of bullshit in the air. I had no choice. And Scout did. She called me out. She's like, Chris... <laughs> You really laid it on thick, you know. Whatever she said, but yeah, Scout was a player, and and she was, um, she really knew how to talk. I mean, she could, she could smooth people, and they wouldn't even know it, you know. And and uh, she was, yeah, she 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 controlled a lot of what happened. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I would have liked to have seen the jump before Chad went. I would have loved to have seen Chad in the final four. I mean, me, Chad, Scout, and Twyla is, is, is what I had hoped. But, yeah, I mean, the Scout was a huge part of the game. She had a knee replacement that was wrong, was a gimp from day three, couldn't bend her leg. And, man, dude, it, she just proved that that game ain't all challenges. Forget about the challenges. I mean, she, she played a good game.
0: Yeah, we really focused on her in in our historian, just talking her up, because I think she's a fascinating character that never really gets any respect. Nobody ever talks about
3: Scout.
2: (laughs) No, you're right. Dude, this is the first conversation I've had about her in years. And, yeah, I mean, Scout kind of was like the type of player that all she could really do is just sit and play chess and move everyone around, you know. And and Mm -hmm. that's what she seemed to do. And uh, Yeah, Scout was a very good player, or she wouldn't have got to where she was.
0: And that, that leads us into a follow-up. If you had chosen Scout instead of Twyla to take to the final two, which obviously is a stupid decision, but what do you think? I mean, do you think you could have beaten her against all those women?
2: No, I don't think so. I think I could have beat... I, th- I was confident I'd beat Twyla. I would have beat... I, I'm really confident I would have beat Eliza. Yeah. And um, you know what? I don't think I could have beat Scout. I really don't. I don't think I'd have beat her. I think. I think... I think... I think Leanne would have voted for her. I would have lost Leanne's vote for sure. And possibly, possibly Eliza's vote. Because Eliza just hated Twyla. I mean, and Twyla deserved it. She deserved every ounce of hate that, that Eliza had for her. And I could have lost Eliza's vote. I don't think I'd have beat Scout.
3: Well, speaking of that, Chris, because yeah. we were we were talking about this, and uh, I know you've mentioned to Mario in, in interviews in the past just some of the venom that was uh, directed toward Eliza by Twyla in particular and, and also Scout in a way. Can you elaborate a little bit more on just some of the stuff that was some of the stuff that Eliza was sort of going through at camp?
2: Oh, just a verbal bashing at, at, you know at, at, from Twyla it's just Twyla, Twyla would get mad and uh, you know, it, it, I don't know if it was Eliza sparking her fire on purpose or if it was just Eliza just not quite understanding the line. You know, there's a line you cross with Twyla. And, and of course, after, after you know, the mix-up, the line that would be crossed was, what, what did Twyla say? She swore on her son. You know, big, big deal. I mean, that's so minute now. What are they on, season 30? I mean, swear on your son. So what? I mean, get over it. It's a game. But, oh, they would jab at Twyla about that. And... um Twilight would just up and say it. She would just tell Eliza right to her face at camp. They'd all be sitting there. Eliza would say something that Twilight didn't like. And Twilight would say, Eliza, you don't even deserve to be here. The only reason you're here is because we're all using you. You're not going to win. You're never winning, Eliza. It ain't going to happen. I'll make sure of that. You're not winning. You shouldn't even be here. You shouldn't have made the merge. And I'm like, you know, I've just sat there and I'm just amazed at this. And Twyla would just tell her. But Twyla would tell anybody that. I mean, Twyla, Twyla didn't care. I mean, she was very outspoken, and if she was in a bad mood, she would she would express it, and she would just tear Eliza apart. Eliza, she would just talk about how mouthy she was, and just, it was just verbal abuse. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, if you ain't got nothing to say in that situation, you know, don't say nothing at all, but.
0: Was Scout abusive to Eliza too, or would Scout do it in her Scout way of just kind of needling her?
2: Um, Scout would be, well, just not as brash as Twyla, but absolutely, you know, Scout would make sage comments about Eliza on a regular basis. Absolutely. You know, it was like Scout felt Twyla's pain. You know, Twyla said something she shouldn't have said, and, and it was bothering Twyla, and she was taking some slack for it, and but you know what? Before that ever happened, Twila was negative and didn't like Eliza, and was very, very selective in when she talked to Julie. Had very little to do with Julie, and, and you know, until towards the end when she knew Julie was going home. And yeah, uh, it was uh, it was crazy. I knew she was abusive enough to Eliza that it was just it was a ringer. I knew. I thought there's no way Eliza's going to vote for Twila. She just called her a dumb bitch. It ain't going to yeah. happen, you know. It was that bad. Now, I'm curious.
0: At what point did you think you had a chance in that season to win? At a certain point, I know you've mentioned before that it looked hopeless for you. The producers were telling you they were worried you were going to quit.
2: I think you told me that once, right, uh, that they weren't uh, worried. You- I had one guy one time when, uh, when they voted out Chad. When Chad went home and I was the last guy, and I was just – I told the girls before we went to tribal, I don't give a shit who I piss off. I don't care what any of you think. I'm not voting for Chad. Okay, I'm not voting for him. And Amy and Leanne walked up to me and said, Vote for Eliza. It's just a throwaway vote. Don't vote for Chad. We're not going to be mad at you at all. Vote for Eliza. I'm like, Fine, man. I'm going to go ahead and and I'll vote for Eliza. Well, the turning point for me when I thought, okay, I got a chance to win, of course, is when Leanne went on. When we voted off Leanne and Eliza had jumped over, absolutely right then and there, I thought, if Twyla continues to play the brash game she's playing, I'm going to just hang on to Twyla, and if I'm at the end with her, well, I'm, I'm probably going to win. But yeah, I mm-hmm. knew right then and there because then it was there was no doubt. I mean, I was good for a couple try. I felt like I was good for a couple tribals after that for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that that's that set me up big time. But you know, it's, you know the deal. You know, it was crazy dude. Oh my god, I would hate to play now. It would be horrible. <laughs> Hidden immunities and this other crap they do. I mean, it'd be nice staying at a Hilton like they practically do anymore. But. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the players we focused on a lot in
0: our in our historians was Julie. How she's kind of one that's kind of sly. She's always in the background. Yeah. She always finds a way to get back into the majority. Yeah. And it's like she wasn't really calling shots, but she was kind of hard to get rid of. How,
2: can you elaborate on that? Um. Well, I mean, J- Julie played the game day by day. I mean, she didn't plan anything ahead. She just thought every day I survive. It's a good day, and that that's how she played the game. I mean, she the women were strong, and and she was in an alliance with the women where she was safe, and you know we had we were mixed up, and I did. I liked her. I liked her immediately when when her and Twyla came back to our camp and we drank beer and ate chips and we went back to camp. Yeah, she was awesome. I mean, she had a good sense of humor. We laughed. You know, we played games at camp. I mean, I instantly thought she was just great. And at the same time, we still had John Kenny then. So letting letting Julie in and placing her ahead of John Kenny was easy. You know, John Kenny just had to go. You know, He couldn't make the merge. He was, I mean, he was a waste. I mean, I think I stole the guy's socks like three days before we loaded him out. I just hid him somewhere, and I thought, he's going home, and then I'm going to break his socks out and use them. Right. So yeah, we pulled Julie in, and sure, absolutely. Um, what, so when Leanne goes home, and then we got rid of Amy, is when Julie really started playing the game, of course. And uh, we went to the volcano together. But the deal they made me, Eliza and Julie come to me, and they told me, and they never even showed this conversation because I, you know, I never even took the first step to to doing it. But they come to me, and they were like, "Look, Chris, here's the deal. You know." If any of us win immunity, the next person we vote off is Twyla. If Twila don't win immunity, we vote off Twyla. And then it's just us and Scout. Scout's not a threat at the challenges. So one of us win the next immunity, Scout goes home. Then it's just us three. They said, we guarantee you final two. Julie wins immunity, she takes you to the end. Eliza wins immunity, she takes you to the end. You win immunity, take either one of us, we don't care. And the other one will vote for you to win. That's the deal they offered. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Crazy deal, right? Yeah. Right. Too good. That's that's
0: too good. Oh my! That sounds God. great on paper.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's that sounds great cool.
3: everywhere.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And look who I'm in the final. It's us. It's us three in the final three. I mean, really. Me, Eliza, <laughs> and Julie. I mean, Matt. I replaced them with gown twilight. I mean, that took us off every magazine cover in the country. <laughs> yeah, but if I would have went with Eliza and Julie, oh man, dude, you we'd have been on billboards just because of them two. But no, that, that's that was too that was just too good of an offer, and I think they really thought I would bite quick on it.
0: Now, was there? Ever, did, you, did you ever even humor them by pretending to consider like you'd take Julie
2: and Eliza over Scout and Twyla? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Is it not obvious? Is it not obvious? I told everybody what they want At that position, at that time of the game, that late in the game, mm-hmm. I was telling every single one of them girls what they wanted to hear. Okay. The animosity and hate between Eliza and Scout and Twyla was so bad I didn't have to worry about Eliza talking to them about what I'm doing, or her going to them saying, "Well, Chris made a deal with me." I mean, it just—I knew it wasn't going to happen. They hated each other that much, and then then you got Julie just wanted to survive at that point. Yeah, so sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, cool. and you—and you never would have considered Eliza or going with Eliza and Julie.
2: Um. No. No. Well, I just no. 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 Not when you have it, Twyla there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, I got Twyla there telling Eliza. I mean, Eliza was a vote. I knew Eliza was a vote for me in the final two. I just I just knew. And she has to be on the jury. I can't go to the end with Eliza because Eliza's going to vote for me because Twyla's going to be sitting next to me. Julie yep. was the one that was just the juggernaut in the whole thing, the whole thing. I mean, at one time in the game, I pictured a me, Julie, and Scout in the final three. Because I failed prob- Twyla and Eliza just to be bigger threats. Yeah. And that probably
0: would have kept you on the magazine covers having Julie there, so that would have been good. Probably a couple extra, <laughs> yeah, covers, absolutely. <laughs> and,
1: and in Jeff's good graces.
0: <laughs> well, I don't... Oh, think Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Jeff, the whole Jeff and Julie thing. Was that going on during the game? Were you aware of that? There
2: was flirting going on, but that's that's it. That's it. Yeah. Now,
0: now, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jeff wasn't particularly kind to you at the reunion show. Now, how much of that do you think would because he was too close to Julie?
2: 100 percent of
0: it. 100% hundred percent absolutely and it, he he admitted that afterwards right to you yeah he was
2: very biased of me in the game he he rooted against me I was the first player he actually said he found himself rooting against and did not want to he didn't want to see me succeed after I voted out Julie. no he was that oh yeah he's admitted it yeah it is what it is you know he's not playing the game he's hosting the game well you know what anymore he's playing the game i mean g
0: yeah, it's funny, we, we, we've talked about that before, how that reunion show is so uncomfortable to watch, because Jeff is so clearly doesn't like you, and people have kind of called BS on us, saying, no, you're just making that up, and I'm like, no, let's ask Chris about this, because I'm sure he'll back us up 100% on this one.
2: Yeah, no, no, Um, you know what, He and him and Julie ended up dating for three years, and, and, and during that time, when, you know, the first year they dated, you know, Julie was pretty much with Jeff and all his people, and, you know, what Jeff does, and... And she finally was like, "Well, hey, look, I wanna, I wanna hang out with my people." So you know, me and and two or three other people from our season got together with Jeff and Julie on a New Year's Eve, and we celebrated New Year's Eve with Jeff, and uh, it was a great time. But you can just tell, <laughs> excuse me, you can just tell that Jeff, Jeff's not a big fan of mine. I mean, just yeah. I mean, if you're sitting back making his girlfriend laugh and. And she's still friends with you after you sliced her throat in the game for a million bucks on national TV. And, yeah, I think he has major issues with me. Do you think he still does? I'm just curious about that one. Sure, I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do. Well, because – I would say he does, man. I don't know. I, I don't know. So, I mean, it's it's pretty. I mean, pretty well known by now that Vanuatu was not considered a very popular season at the time. I mean, the fan base never really got behind it all that much. And I know you, you got a lot of abuse that a lot of other winners haven't gotten, where people just didn't like you and they kind of said mean stuff to you at the at the autograph shows. Like, yeah. How much of, do you do you think Jeff? Uh, it had to do with Jeff kind of not selling your win at the end. Do you think that had a lot to do with it?
2: No, I don't think it had a lot to do with it. I mean, I don't, I don't think him not selling my win at the end had a lot to do with it. I mean, there was two or three things he did during the finale that was obvious to me. I mean, Chad had something to say about my game, and he cut him off immediately. And Julie, at the same time, even told me that there was times she had something to say, and she, she was never given a chance by Jeff. Well, yeah, I think so. And then, you know, I've seen him dodging me a couple times. So, it's just, it is what it is. I won. That's all that matters. I don't care what Jeff thinks.
0: Well, I mean, and this is something we talked about on our show a lot, that Vanuatu wasn't particularly a popular season at the time, but it's widely considered one of the most popular seasons now. I mean, does that surprise you that it's kind of done a boomerang like that over
2: the years? I think... I think them changing the dynamics of the game has made my season more popular because it, it, it was still kind of raw. It was still Survivor, three days and you're gone. You know, that's it. Case closed. You know, I'm not hiding an immunity underneath the root for you to have a second chance. And you're not going to another island by yourself and eating fruit while everyone else plays the game. You know, it was Survivor, three Gone. If you don't survive in three days and go to tribal, you're gone. It's done. Walk down the cold blue path. Goodbye. So, yeah, earn everything you get. And Home Depot's not going to ship a crate to you. It's bull crap. They didn't ship me no crate. I got no Home Depot. I got nothing like that, dude. I got root. I got chocolate cake that shot out of me like a Cuban missile. That's the kind of stuff they bring to you back then. They'd mess with you. They'd be like, watch, I ain't eight in 20 days. Give them chocolate cake. That's a laxative. I mean, dude, we were jacked with, screwed with, laughed at, and when we tried to have any kind of mutiny, it was like, "We'll ship your ass out of here. We don't. You're, you're not doing anything. You're doing what we say. You're under contract." Now I just I hear these fluff stories of you know people getting treated, and you know we'll take a couple hours and think about whether or not you want to continue to play and. You know, here's a couch. <laughs>
0: Since you mentioned mutiny, I'm just curious about yeah. that as well, because I know I've read about the first season, the Borneo season, how the players threatened to mutiny all the time, and the producers were scared to death. Like, were there actually times when the players would mutiny in Vanuatu?
2: The only, or threatened to? Threatened well, to? yeah, you know what? Uh, Scout, Scout, you know, just gave a weak effort. It was, uh, it was down to me, Scout, and Twyla. And this was really the only time, and uh, we had to row over to the island across from us. And, you know, from the beach, it looks like you're 100 yards away. But we was in a canoe that leaked, and we didn't have no water. Then we walked that stupid trail and looked at everybody else's torch, which I don't even think they do that now, do they? No, if they do, they don't film it sometimes. I mean, they don't air it. Yeah, so we walk out, and you know what, by the time we got to our challenge, we were all real, real thirsty, and and Scout told, you know, the production person with us, you know, we're not doing this challenge until you get us something to drink, we need water. So this chick's like, no, we're not giving you water, and Scout's like, look, there was a hole in the boat, Blah, 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 Scout's arguing with her. So she's like, okay, hold up. So she gets on the radio and she calls Doug. And this guy, Doug, I mean, he was like third in charge. He was right behind Tom Shelley. I mean, Doug, the guy with the beard. I mean, he's the dude I knew from all the interviews in L.A. Here comes Doug about 20 minutes later. And, you know, Scout's held shit up. Wow. I mean, Doug walks up and just rips Scout a new one. Oh, ship your ass out of here as quick as you've been here 38 days you ain't doing this, go do the challenge, you're under contract, and walked away from her. And the production chick looked at Scout, and Scout's like, well, it looks like we're doing the challenge. And it was <laughs> over. now. I mean, there was nothing to it. Mutiny, no, it was a weak attempt at getting something to drink. Of course, I didn't want, I'm like, I'll no, nothing out, to drink. Out, I mean, I didn't want him to have anything to drink. I didn't know what he was going to be I... doing. But, yeah, that was it. No, I mean, everybody kind of... It was just so early, in, and it was the ninth season. I know it didn't seem early, but it is now, and it was, everyone was just cautious of not doing something wrong. I mean, we're under contract. I mean, I remember sitting there when the game's over, the doctor's done, had his thumb up my butt, I took a shower, and I'm sitting there with all this food, not even wanting to eat, wanting to go in the hut and party with everybody else. But the psychologist is saying, well, let's talk first. And I'm like, you know what? I've been sitting here with you an hour, and there ain't shit to talk about. Am I under contract still? Well, I mean, the, game, the game's over. I mean, can you tell me what to do still? No, not really. I was like, I'm going in the hut. I mean, and that's how it was back then. I mean, it was like, you know, nobody wanted to screw up and get kicked out of the game. So, no, I mean, there, there really wasn't nothing where people was, you know, rebelling against what they were doing.
1: I'm always really interested in. I don't think we hear enough stories from former survivors of what exactly happens after the game. So, what what exactly like psychoanalysis did you have to undergo as soon as you went through that tribal council, especially your final tribal council?
2: My final tribal council had ended. Ow. Jeff says it's over. Jeff takes Ow. the takes the bucket and leaves. Yeah. So Jeff walks away. He's gone. And uh, oh, production fine. people take the jury. No. And the jury leaves, and yep. they they, they no walk lies. off into the dark. So me and Twyla still sitting there on the very uncomfortable logs. And uh, a psychologist and a doctor walks up to me and says, come with me. So I walk with these two past this huge booth where all the cameramen were, out onto a beach, and there's a boat floating there. And they got two or three spotlights on the boat. They said, strip down to your underwear. Took off all my clothes, everything, and they put a robe on me. They put all my clothes in a trash bag and they put me underneath this boat. This doctor and psychologist was sitting there. They're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, good. They're like, you ready to get something to eat? I'm like, well, I mean, not really. So they're taking my blood pressure and they got a thermometer in my mouth. We take off on this boat. Uh, we go over to another island where they got the ponderosa and all the production stays. And uh, a, a, a doctor takes me on this freaking mile and a half hike on, by foot. And I was just fed up. I'm like, really? Dude, we're hiking for an hour after the shit? Do you know what I just went through? So we, we hiked to this little makeshift shower. And uh, I'm in a robe in my underwear, you know. He's like, okay, mate, here's a bar of soap. He said, uh, it's bacterial soap. Get in the shower. And he said, what would you like? Tell me two things. What would you like? I said, I'll tell you what. I'd like a beer and a cigarette. He says, I'll be back. I says, Well, where's my stuff? You see this wig I'm sporting? I need some conditioner and shampoo, dude. It ain't it's a mess. This is bacterial soap? No bacterial soap's all you get. So I get in a cold shower, I get out, here he comes, with a long neck bottle of bud light with no bottle opener and a cigarette with no lighter. They're just treating me like a king, ain't they? <laughs> So I'm like,
0: I guess you didn't didn't know you were the survivor winner yet.
2: Right. I'm like, okay, dude, you suck. So then he violates me with this physical, he gets me, which is expected. And this is what he tells me Hey, Chris, you're suffering from major malnutrition. (laughs) I was like, really? Call me down. So he goes over me, tells me all this stuff, you know, this is wrong with you, you got parasite, blah, 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 blah. We take that other long journey back to this hut, and all the survivors, everybody's in the hut. I can hear the music, everybody's in there, partying. They got alcohol, pool table. Well, they set me at this table outside the hut, and they got all this food, and I'm like, you know, not interested. Not interested in any food. And they bring a scale, and I get on it, and I wait in at 230. And now I'm 185, so I lost 45 pounds. Okay, I've been here 45 days, pound a day. Expect them. So I sit there for about an hour, and, and yeah, they're just like, well, there's some people in the hut that are upset. I'm like, sure, sure. Julie cried. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she sure did. And they're like, well, I mean, we want to approach this sensitively, you know. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I was totally in agreement with them. I'm like, I understand. You know, she's upset, you know. Eliza's upset. Eliza called me a bitch during final tribal, you know, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. And, you know, I just sat there and they put all this food in front of me and I didn't eat any of it. And they finally got some, I think, some kind of pie, the custard and some ice cream. And I ate a bowl of it. And uh, that's when it just come down to I would just been sitting up there and I can hear them laughing 100 yards away. Well, 50 yards away. And I was just like, okay, well, the game's over, you know. Can I, can I just get up and go in the hut? They're like, yeah. So I got up and went in the hut. And there's Chad, cigarette and a lighter, beer with an opener. You know, Julie gives me a big hug. Everybody's happy. Propes pours me a couple shots of Jack Daniels. We start doing, you know, playing all kinds of games, laughing, having a ball. Julie and Jeff are getting closer and closer the more they drink. You know, Scout went to bed early. Um, Twyla cried about her son again yeah we all just partied until about three in the morning and then we all made our way back to our huts and about five in the morning these aborigine dudes come and took all of our suitcases and everything and they took us out to a beach and put us on a boat and they couldn't wake sarge up he was like out i mean he's like pure military oh well i shut my body down i'm not gonna wake up for six hours there's nothing i can do about it i mean sarge was so military so they carried him to the boat, and that was it, man. It was over. They, they got us home as quick as they could. Dude, ended up on the plane real quick. Ended up on the plane from Sydney to L.A., and I got this young kid sitting next to me. I'm fully bearded, long fingernails. They never give me time to shave. Clip my nails or nothing, dude. All I got was a bar of bacteria, So So I'm on the plane. Kid's sitting next to me. He's in the aisle seat. And there's a guy across the aisle two rows up named Tucker. And I know who he is. I've seen him on the island. I'm like, that dude's in production. This kid next to me talks to Tucker. He says, hey, Tucker. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we've taken off. I'm like, how do you know Tucker? He's like, oh, man, you weren't supposed to know. I'm your shadow until you get to Columbus. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. I was like, well, tell Tucker to give me one of them Ambient you just asked him for. So he's like, oh, shit. Well, okay. So this dude from production gives me an Ambien on a 14-hour flight back to L.A. Dude, I popped this Ambien, get one Jack and Coke down, and when I woke up, we were descending into L.A. Nice flight home is what I'm saying, man. It was short. Yeah. yeah. And I had I had Eliza's nose between the seats going, you slept the whole time we were in the, I, We didn't get to talk or nothing. I can't believe you slept the whole way. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> please. Because she was like just chewing my ear the last 10 minutes of the flight until we landed. Yeah. But, yeah, that was that was post-survivor from the time I got up from final tribal until, yeah, um I landed in uh, Columbus at about 12 o'clock midnight. And uh, the dude was my shadow clear to Columbus, man. He jumped on a shuttle and went and got him a room. He was flying back the next morning. My luggage never arrived. I called a chick from cbs who give me your number in case my luggage didn't arrive she said it'll be at your house tomorrow at noon so my parents picked me up or Lori picked me up and the next day dude my luggage was at the house at noon
0: so if anybody from ambien is listening and would like a new spokesperson chris would love to endorse your product
2: yeah that's good (laughs) shit yeah it knocked me out for it knocked me out for 12 hours i mean i'm sure i was rather tired but anyway it's like like
0: chad on the kava
2: yeah. Oh, my gosh, he was a mess, dude. Chad on the kava. It was like his brain was totally in sync with his body. Dude, he, he had no control. He, he he was a mess. He kept begging me not to let him fall on the fire. Yeah, he was, well, he was hilarious.
0: Yeah, we thought, we thought kava was like an alcohol, like you get drunk, except someone emailed us and pointed out that it's more like a hallucinogen. It's like LSD.
2: Yeah, that's what it is.
0: So he was just tripping balls, basically.
2: Yeah, he was tripping balls. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, he was a mess. He was giving away jury votes because he wanted to live through the night. I mean, he was talking total trash. It was funny, man. He was really funny. And then what does he get for getting sick? He gets this delicious food brought to him, corn on the cob and all this. And that's something that me me and um, uh, Eliza and Amy never got to experience was good food. They gave us this horrible, rotten, rubbery chicken that the dogs would be licking on. I mean, there's this chicken on this little rotisserie fire right in front of us. And these dogs are walking up licking on it, biting on it. Chad's like, yo, dude, how can we get some chicken? And I'm thinking, well, they're not going to give us that chicken. They got some good chicken somewhere cooking, you know. No, nah, dude, that guy, dude grabbed that chicken right in front of us. The dogs have been gnawing on it to us. just some chicken. Yeah. And, of course, we were like, thanks, and started gnawing on it, you know. It was rubber. But Chad got sick, and, dude, they brought him all this nice, good food in the hut, and he he got pampered. He was hilarious on Kava. It it would. It would jack you up. And them making it it in front of you just made you want to throw up. Why is that? Well, because they, they made the girls go off and work. They had to, like, slaughter a pig and get all the food ready, where the men sat in this hut with the chief. And the chief sat there, and there's these two boys sitting on each side of him, probably seven, eight years old. And he opens up this big banana leaf, and there's these cobbler roots in there. He looks at us. He picks up a cobbler root, breaks it in two, and hands it to that little boy, breaks up another one, hands it to the other little boy. Little boys throw the cobbler root in their mouths and just start chewing it. I mean, their mouths are packed, dude. Their cheeks are bulging. They're both just chewing away on these cover roots. And all along, this chief's talking to me and Chad in some language, and a guy named Dawes interpreting it to us, you know. He's telling us about, you know, this is a custom. We're welcoming you onto our land. So five, six minutes, let's say, pass. And the chief opens this banana leaf back up and holds it underneath this little boy's mouth. And this little boy says, kapooch and spits that big wad of chewed root into that banana leaf. He rolls that banana leaf up like a tortilla, holds it over a half a coconut shell, and squeezes it and drains everything out of that root that boy chewed into that half a cup. Does it with the other little boy, and then hands me and Chad the half coconut bowls. It's like, drink up? I'm like, serious? And it, <laughs> you know it looked like mud. It looked like mud puddle. So, yeah. So we drank it. So we both drank it. down. I mean, these, they filled them up. You know that he just rang every drop out of it. And it was basically them little boys spit and that's what they do. Them little boys do that, but it, cause it prepares them for when they're of age to drink the kava, which dude, they're drinking the kava. They're just not getting to drink it out of the bowl. They got to chew it up. And that's part of their ritual. That's what the little boys do to a certain age. And man, dude, once you drank out bowl of kava, your lips went numb, your tongue went numb, you felt like your tongue swelled up. You slurred, you couldn't talk. And of course Chad lost all functionability altogether. Yeah. It, it would just mess you up. Yeah. I mean you were you were like a kite. You just it yeah. it, was, it was really strange. Yeah. It was amazing. No, no, j- what?
0: I, was say, I know Jay had a question about that whole ceremony but with the pig exchange and everything, how ridiculous
3: that whole thing was. Yeah, well, what was um, It was yeah. a weird thing because you know, we saw it on TV. You guys bring, you know, they give you this pig and then you yeah. have to go there and, and customize the pig. And then you even had a confessional where you talked about how you know, they gave you the pig back and you just set it somewhere. Like Just how bizarre was that whole thing?
2: Well, I mean, it was strange, man. It was just part of the deal they had with the Aborigines there, I think. You know, we, they wanted us to visit one of their villages as an award. And, and you know, part of that ritual of visiting a village of these people was you, you had to bring them a gift. So they gave get us this pig we had to keep at our camp for a couple of days. And the pig suffered. It was skinny. And we didn't have no food for it. And it crapped all over the plane. They had to fly us to this island. Pigs sliding all over the plane. and Yeah, we didn't even know what he was doing with the pig. And then, you know, we give them the pig, and they give us the pig back. I'm like, okay, you know, we did the big pig exchange, and then we got the rubbery chicken. Well, when we got back to camp the next morning, I asked a dude from production. I'm like, yo, where's our pig? He says, what do you mean? I said, they gave us a pig. We swapped pigs. Where's our pig? Oh, you don't get that pig. I said, they gave us the pig. He said, no, you don't get that pig. They're not going to let you slaughter a pig on TV. I said, oh, okay. He said, we didn't even get to keep the pig. Yeah, that was a joke, dude. That was a big joke. Yeah, you're right.
0: Well, Well, that's funny. They let him slaughter a pig in Australia with Mike in season two. I guess by season nine, they weren't doing that anymore.
2: Well, dude, on season nine, he slaughtered a pig right in front of us with a freaking club. The very first oh, yeah? night on the beach. I mean, he hit that pig so hard in the head, blood squirted out of its nose. Yeah, they slaughtered a pig right in front of us. But, yeah, we never got that pig in exchange. Not at all. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, that was a stupid. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I mean, it was neat visiting them and doing the dance. And, yeah, they, they lead a crazy, you know, primitive life. But, yeah. Um, was that was that reward at the end, I think Final
0: Five, when you got to go to the, the volcano with Julie and have the picnic?
2: Was yeah. that as cool as it looked on TV? That was the most amazing experience of my life. Yes. Yeah. Could not believe it. And I mean, I've been in the, you know, I've, I've visited Austria and some beautiful places in the mountains. And I mean, I've seen some awesome places in Australia, but that was like none I've ever seen. I mean, we, we climbed up to the base of a, the biggest, most active volcano in the world and it was it was amazing, man. We, we could have sat there all night on them logs. I mean, we was there a long time too. I mean, we walked down off that volcano in the middle. It was the middle of the night, I and mean, we was up there for hours because we didn't want to leave. It was warm, and I mean, it was just a you know it was a big Fourth of July show. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, me and Julie was like, "Can we just stay up here?" He goes, "We'll stay up here as long as you want." Yeah, I mean, we we didn't walk down. It was the middle of the night when me and her got down to the hut and, and crawled into bed, but. Unbelievable. Never forget that. Now, uh, I I
0: had Mike and Jay kind of come up with some questions they wanted to bring up before the interview was over. Is there anything we haven't touched on, you guys, that you wanted to ask about? No, I'm good. Oh, them, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, For you, Chris. (laughs) Uh,
1: All right, according to Chris, we're good. (laughs) Um, I had a big question. So you brought up earlier about how your preferable final six was you, the rest of the men, and then – uh, Scout and Twyla. So let's just kind of, I mean, if you'll run with this with me, let's let's just walk through final 10. You guys get your way. Amy is voted out. In a perfect situation, what happens from there to get you to the end?
2: Well, perfect situation is that, you know, um, we stick together. Um, we get rid of the rest of the women, which, you know, it would have been a long shot to do with with Eliza and Julie. And, and, you know, just the further, you know, you get down with the people not in the alliance, the more you start talking about the pecking order of the people in your alliance. So that was definitely big talk during my season is, you know, okay, you know, what happens when I'm gone, Twyla? Who gets voted off first? So that was always in the back of my head. But to have voted off all the women and had it down to us guys, and I think Sarge would have went first, and then I think it would have... It would have come down to me, Bubba, Rory, and uh, Chad in the final four, is what I envisioned. And if I just yeah, love. To to, yeah, I was say who would you want to
1: go to the end with at that point?
2: I had an, I had an original alliance with Bubba, but you know, if my relationship would have continued with Bubba throughout, it would have been Bubba. But um, I had built a, a strong relationship with Chad. And uh, me me and him had become tight, and had talked about, you know, alliances to the end, too. But he knew I had had an alliance with Bubba, and, and, you know, we had a reason to be tight. Bubba was gone. But if Bubba would have been there all along, I would think I would have kept my alliance with him. I don't know. I don't don't know. But me, Bubba, Chad, and actually Rory was, was who I would have thought probably would have made the final four.
0: I just love that we could have had a universe where a Survivor season ended with a final two of Rory versus Bubba. That would have been great. <laughs> oh, that would have been hilarious.
1: <laughs>
2: I'd have voted for Rory. Nah, I'd have,
1: I'd have that's, that's a People now. magazine cover right there. <laughs>
2: yeah, right, yeah. All right, come on. Now, one more question. I'm I got a roll. My old lady's looking at me. It's late. You guys, you guys are keeping me up. I work every day. <laughs> <laughs> what work? We run a podcast. This is work. Yeah, well, okay. All
0: right, Jay, you got anything? I'm good. Let's get the man off the phone. All right, just one more thing, Chris. This isn't a question. I heard you were at Hearts of Reality last week, and you're telling people that you're you're the most hated Survivor winner, that everybody on the Internet hates you. Do you still believe that, that everyone on the Internet hates you,
2: all the Survivor fans? I don't know. My wife says otherwise. I'm I'm not a big Internet person, dude. I don't own a computer. If I get on the Internet, it's on my phone, and it's usually just... To Google something, but I'm, I don't know. I don't know.
0: All right, well, I'm just letting you know that's not true anymore. You are, without question, when people rank their favorite winners, you're almost always up there on most people's list because of how entertaining you were. So, so if you still think that you're hated by everyone on the internet, that is absolutely not the case. I just wanted to make sure you know that. All right,
2: now you three listen to me. I got one question, and I want an answer from each of you. Just, it's not going. It's an easy answer. Okay. Um, if. CBS, Mark Burnett Productions, whatever. If The Survivor people said, "Okay, we're going to do one more season, and this season is going to be based on fan votes. The fans are going to vote. Give us the top 20 survivors you want to see on TV." Is Chris Gordy uh-huh. playing again? If that happened. What do you think, Mario? My honest answer is no because
0: most fans only remember the last 3 or 4 seasons. Okay. Most next, fans next. that watch the show now, yeah, they don't they don't remember you.
2: All right. Next. Am, am I going to get picked? Other guys? That's him. No, I don't think no. you're going to ah, get picked. okay, third guy. Am I going to get picked? No,
1: but I think you should know, Chris, that in a, a recent poll with uh, Rob Cessardino's podcast, you were actually voted the number 20 top player of all time. Wow, I made it! You made it.
0: <laughs> you know, Mike sidestepped that question better than I, Scout could I, have. Yeah, I made
1: it.
3: <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, he's like <laughs> okay, no, sure. but you were the top 20 voted player, and that that's not
2: saying... Like, yeah. that yeah. you would be voted to come yes. back?
3: That's fantastic. That's so good. Right. Well done, Scout.
2: Whatever. Hey, peace out. I'm off here. And just to let you know, Lori's just egging me on to get off the phone. All
0: right. Thanks a lot. And uh, we heard Lori being bitten by the dog in the background several times. We hope she's feeling fine. <laughs> good. All right. Thanks, Chris. Back. All right.
1: Bye. bye. Fantastic. Oh, that was, right. that was great.
0: <laughs> that, was a, that was our first ever Uh, interview with a survivor here on Survivor Historians. We had no idea how that was going to go, and I think it actually worked out pretty well. Chris was game for anything we threw at him, and yeah, I think that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and it it was a really nice way to cap off Banuatu. I I feel like it was was nice to get like little insider opinions from him, and also to just, I I feel like at the end of the last podcast, uh, since we were kind of running long, we didn't talk too, too much about Chris's win and his effect on the, the season as a whole, so it was really nice to kind of bring him in as like a, a part 3.5 almost.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. So I think that's it. We're going to keep this one short. Uh, sorry to our listeners that like to take lawn, d- long drives or mow their lawn to our podcast. It was, wasn't really long enough for a long drive. So uh, we will be back soon starting on uh Palau, and we hope you enjoyed this one timer. Uh, give us some feedback, please. If you like this, either uh, let's see on survivor sucks. I'm on there on POS. Uh, you can email us at SurvivorHistorians at or on the, the Tribe podcast on their message board. So if you like this one, just let us know, and maybe we'll do some more of these. As always, I'm Mario Lanza. I'm next guy.
1: And I'm uh, that guy that was able to sidestep, sidestep a question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we are the Survivor Historians, and we will talk to you soon about Palau. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
3: Take Ambien only when you can devote a full night to sleep and wake
1: up rested and ready to start your day. Talk to your doctor about Ambien. Ambien works like a dream.